Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we are progressing through the Gospel of Luke. We're we're up to the 22nd chapter, and we're kind of getting into that last moment. He, they're leaving the upper room now. They're going to the garden. And from this moment on, things get intense for Jesus. They get intense in the garden, and they get extreme beyond that. And so we're going to talk about that. Really, as we're going to be looking at it for the next couple months, actually, as we go through each section, as Luke gives us section by section of of the events that happened here as he goes to the cross, we're going to see some of the extreme things that Jesus endures for you and I. That's the first thing we're going to see. But there's another aspect to the scripture that we're also going to examine, and that is the response of human beings. We sometimes overlook that. We sometimes will look and see, oh, yeah, Jesus went through that. Yeah, it's kind of like the movie. Yeah. But we're also going to notice the response of the disciples. We're going to see the evil in men's hearts. We're going to see that with the Roman and Jewish authorities. And we're going to see humanity. And it really starts today. It starts right here in the garden with a bunch of sleeping guys. And one person, Jesus, who's intense about his prayer life. And so we're going to talk about the calm before the storm. Because right after this, the storm happens. The storm happens. And that's what we're going to see. So let's notice together, we're going to read this passage together. We're in the Gospel of Luke. Let's look at just a few short verses, verses 39 through 46, of what Luke shares with us concerning the time in the garden. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when they came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. In being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. When he arose from the prayer and had come to his disciples, he found him sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Okay, let's look at this together, folks. We're going to see a couple things here. We're going to see, first of all, the struggle. We're going to see the struggle that Jesus undertakes here in the garden. And then we're going to see human weakness. Let's talk about the struggle, first of all. Notice with me verse 39 through 40. The first thing I want you to see here is that Jesus understands the nature of the battle. Because notice what he tells them to pray about. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's going to be betrayed. They get up to the Mount of Olives, to to this garden, the the Garden of Gethsemane we know it as. And 
it's a place where they've gone before. It's a place where they've relaxed and maybe have slept there. And they get there, and Jesus tells them, because he knows what's going to happen, folks. He knows what's coming. He's already predicted he's going to die, that he's going to be handed over, that he's going to be raised up, he's going to be crucified. And he tells them, pray that you don't enter into temptation. Now that's, that, you know, when, you, when I first looked at that, I thought, you would have thought that he would say, hey, pray because something's coming. Pray because there's some serious stuff about to happen. Pray that you, you survive what's going to happen. Pray because there's, there's a storm coming that's serious. And, and, but that's, that's not what Jesus is asking them to pray about. He's asking them to pray about temptation. And what do we know about temptation? Temptation is that which would cause us to what? Sin. Why? Because he understands the nature of the battle. The battle that you and I face in our daily lives, the battle that they're going to face, the battle that he's going to face, is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. The issue isn't being taken and arrested. The issue isn't being beaten. The issue isn't all of that. The issue is the spiritual battle. Jesus understands the nature of the battle, and he tells these guys, you need to pray about it. You need to pray about it. He understands the nature of the battle. Here's what else he does. The next thing he does, look at verse 41. So he withdrew himself from them about a stone's throw. And so how many of you have thrown stones before, especially like we're we're at a pond or something? I always have to constantly tell my boys, don't throw rocks in that pond. See the sign? Don't throw rocks in that pond, okay? And, and And usually about the farthest distance, if you're a really good shot, is maybe about 21 yards. So they're figuring that Jesus probably went off about 21 yards from where they were, sleeping. Why did he do that? Because he always did this. Intimacy was with the Father was important to Jesus. Because notice what's going on. Jesus knows the storm that's coming. Jesus knows the difficulty that he is going to face. And he knows the nature of the battle. What does he do? If he was me, he'd hop in a truck, drive to McDonald's, buy a cheeseburger because of the stress. Do you know what I'm saying? He doesn't do that. He talks with the Father. See, this has been, if you think about it, we've gone through the Gospel of Luke. Think about it. Over the last few years, we've gone through the Gospel of Luke. Every time that Jesus is in a situation where he's ministering or something is about to happen, he gets alone and he does what? He prays. He talks to God. Talks to God. Think about when he walked on the water. Remember that? When he walked on the water? The reason why he was walking on the water is because he sent the disciples ahead and he alone got by himself and he what? Prayed. See, prayer was important to Jesus. And so notice with me, verse 41 there, look what it says there. And he withdrew, brought a stone, and he knelt down and he prayed. And here's what he said, verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. What we're seeing there is his humanity. You know, it's, it's, it's easy for us to believe Jesus is God. We also have to remember he was fully human. You understand what I'm saying? You may want to, it's easy for us to believe he's God. We also have to grasp the reality he was fully human. So he was like you and I. 
And do you think he was, I mean, do you think he was mindless going into what's getting ready to happen? Do you think it wasn't wearing on him about the pain and the suffering that he was about to endure? In fact, beyond the pain and suffering that he was about to endure physically, the pain and the anguish for carrying our sin? Think about that. The weight of all the junk from our lives combined being placed on him. Because that's what's going on in his life. So he understands what he's facing. Jesus understands what he's facing, and so he says to the Father, Father, if it's your will, if you, if you, if you decided to go with plan B, let this cup. What do you mean cup? Well, they often refer to suffering as a cup. You drink from the cup of suffering. Let this cup of suffering pass from me. Don't let me go through this. I mean, you and I understand that, right? How many of us, how many of us here would say, yeah, I, I don't want to go through tough times, George. I don't want to go through, de- raise your hand. I mean, unless you're, I mean, unless you're abnormal, you know, like I live for problems, George. Normal people don't. We cringe when we have to go to the dentist. You know, we, we don't want to go through that, do we? Jesus is no different than us in, hum- in his humanity. He understands what he's facing. But look at what verse 42 also says. Even in spite of that, even in spite of the desire, you know, if I don't have to go through this, let's go with plan B. Look at what he says. Nevertheless, not my my will, not what I want, Jesus says, but yours, Father, be done. What's going on here? Yet, he is willing to submit to God's will. He's willing to go through it. He's willing to be arrested, beaten by the temple guards, go through mock trials where he's spit on and beaten, be handed over to the Romans where he's scourged, mocked through the humiliation of that whole experience, carry your instrument of execution up to a hill from the city, be hung on a cross, to endure all of that, he's willing to do all of that. Why? Yeah, you and I. Love for you and I. And that just blows my mind. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I love my family. I would die for my family. All of us here, we would die for our family, right? But, you know, I love you too, but I wouldn't die for you. I'm being honest. Well, I feel really hurt, George. Well, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? If you're my blood, I'll do it. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, most of us would be that way. We'd be like, oh, that's too bad that happened to him. But Jesus does it for you and I. He's willing to submit to the Father's will. Now, even after he comes to that place of surrender, folks, that's a place of surrender, where you have one desire that you wish it would go somewhere else, but then you come to a place where you say, okay, not what I want, Jesus. It's not what I want, God. It's what you want. Your will, not my will. That's a place of surrender. Even though he comes to a place of surrender, look at the anguish. We see it there in verses 43 and 44. Then the angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And, he, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like drops of great blood falling down to the ground. What do do we see there? He wrestled before God as he faces the coming storm. Even though he comes to a place of surrender, 
He keeps praying. I think we understand that, right? Hey, you ever come to a decision and you know it's what God wants you to do and, and, you're, and you're okay with that, but it's still pretty hard what he's telling you to do and you still are anxious and you still... And, and so he keeps praying. Look at it. He's agonizing. Even coming to a place of surrender, he's agonizing and he continues to pray. He continues to find his strength He continues to find the source of his strength with who? God the Father. That's the point of the passage. This is an intense time for him. An intense time for him. But then notice the contrast of that. If we just go on to verse 45 and verse 46. Look at it. He's he's had this intense time with prayer. Look at verse 45. It says, When he arose from prayer and he had come to his disciples... He found them sleeping from sorrow. He found them sleeping from sorrow. A couple of things I want you to see here. First of all, what does that mean, sleeping from sorrow? Well, how many of you have ever, how many have ever struggled with feelings of depression? Do you know what I'm saying? You don't, don't raise your hand necessarily. You, you just, how many of you feel down sometimes? You're like, it's been a terrible day, and you just feel the heaviness of the day. Some people would call it a slight form of depression, but you just all you want to do is it's like I just want to go to bed. You know, you're just wiped out emotionally. It's been especially like if you've gone through some kind of trauma in your family. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what's going on here because you know they just had this meal and Jesus spends the whole meal talking about somebody's going to betray him, Peter, you're going to deny me, and I'm going to die. Do you think that's a happy meal? You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody sitting there talking about it. Did you read the news today about this accident and this murder? That just kind of squashes everything, doesn't it? And so they're kind of depressed and they're kind of moody. And guess what they do? They're out in the middle. I mean, you got to understand, it's probably like one o'clock in the morning, and they're up in the cool of the garden. What would you do? I know what I do. I'd fall asleep. Why? Well, here's the reason why. Number one, they underestimate the moment. They don't have any clue. I mean, Jesus just said to them, guys, you need to be praying that you don't enter into temptation. I mean, he just spent this whole time talking about a betrayal. He talked about, he just told, I mean, think about if you were Peter, and he just said to you just a couple hours before at a dinner table, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. You think at least Peter would be up praying? When he says, don't fall into temptation, it's like, I'm going to need your help, Jesus, God, not to do this. I'm not going to, I don't want to do this. He says I'm going to do it. I've got to prove him wrong. We'd be up praying just to prove him wrong, right? He didn't do that. He fell asleep. He fell asleep. They're underestimating what's going on because they don't have any clue. They don't know the nature of what's going to happen. They don't know the nature of the storm. Have you ever been caught in a situation like that where, yeah, you know something's going to happen, but you're kind of like, oh, you just go ahead and do your normal thing, but, and then when it happens, the crisis happens, boom! You're like, man, I wasn't expecting that! Well, you know it was coming! Well, I didn't expect that! That's what's going on here with their lives. Look at the second thing I want you to see. They focused on their physical needs. The issue to them wasn't the spiritual, because he's, again, he's focused, when he says to them, pray that you don't enter into the temptation, his focus is on their spiritual lives. 
tells them to pray about their spiritual lives, they're more worried about what? Their physical lives. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. I can't keep my eyes open. He wants me to pray. He wants me to pray. So all they're doing is they're focused on their physical needs. But here's the real issue. Look at verse 46, because he tells them again what they need to do. Look at what Jesus says here, and I'll give you the last point here on this human weakness. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So he's telling them to again pray. Pray about what? That they don't enter into temptation. Here's the point I want you to make, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. It's not about praying one time. Because, you know what, they probably could have said, you know, Jesus, we did pray. Right before we went to sleep. We, we always pray, Jesus, right before we go to sleep, and we ask God, don't leave me in a temptation, just like you taught us, Jesus. But you need to understand, sometimes it's more than just praying one time. What do you mean, George? Well, here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice how Jesus is approaching the storm coming versus how they're approaching it. The storm's coming. What does Jesus do? He immediately does like he always does. He goes and he spends time with God, and he wrestles with God in prayer about what's about to happen. It was a natural part of his life. It's the first thing he does. What did they do? Go to sleep. Boom. We're going to see it next week. Storm happens. Everything breaks loose. They're all panicked. They don't know what to do. Before you know it, Peter's saying, I don't know him. Who Who's he? They're not ready. You know, there was, a, there was a, a Bible teacher a few years ago. He did a series called Experiencing God. How many of you know have heard of Experiencing God? Knowing and doing the will of God. It was a very popular study about ten years ago or more. And Henry Blackaby was the author. And he, he said this. This was a powerful point, so I need to give credit to him. It's not George saying it. But it's a great point. He said, it is better to develop your relationship with God now when things are okay than to try to develop one later when the storm comes because you don't have one now when everything's okay. Do you see the point? It's better for you to have a relationship with God now. Spend time talking to Him now. Telling him about the things that you're wrestling with in intimacy of your heart and, and, and talk with him now in the everyday things of your life. But, and, and then to wait for a storm to happen, a crisis to happen, and then all of a sudden go to him and say, Oh, Jesus, I need you. Can you hear me? And wonder if he hears you. Better to have a relationship now and know that when it happens, I go to him. He does hear me because he heard me before. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. It's more than just praying about it one time. In fact, the old-timers, you never hear them talk about this anymore. They talk, how many of you remember being in church as a kid or something, and you heard, heard the old-timers talk about praying it through? How many of you have ever heard that statement about how they used to pray things through? You know, you know what I mean? It was more than just a one-time prayer. It was They were wrestling in prayer. They were, they were going to God, God, you've got to hear me. God, you've got gotta to know what's going on in my heart. I need you, Jesus. That's the kind of praying he's talking about here, folks. 
But see, our human weakness, we're, we're so focused on us and our physical needs. Well, I would never think of giving up sleep. Well, you know what? Hey, I've been through many a crisis. And I can tell you there have been many a nights where I didn't sleep because of the crisis. So you've got a choice. Pray or wrestle with trying to go to sleep, getting up, drink some warm milk, take a warm shower, maybe eat a sandwich, maybe the blood will go down there. I'll get some. No, it doesn't work because you're not supposed to sleep. You're supposed to pray. So it's not about praying one time. So we see the contrast here. The storm's getting ready to come. Jesus, he spends his time, he agonizes in prayer. And the disciples, they don't have any clue. You say, okay, George, how do, we, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I've got two questions for you, and I'll give you an, answer, an action point. The, the first question is going to be a question that we're going to wrestle with for from this point on as we get from this section of Luke on as we look at him going to the cross. And it's basically this. Are you beginning to understand what Jesus went through for you? Are you beginning to understand what Jesus went through for you? Now, why am I asking that? Well, because I know how I am. I know what my week can be like and, uh, you know, Right now, uh, we're, we're enjoying some time with the family up at Parker Dam. That's where we're camping, and we enjoyed that great, nice storm that happened last night and all the wet weather and trying to cook campfire food in the rain. And uh, we, 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 we've got our normal lives going on, and I know that Tuesday I'll be back in the office, and I've got appointments, and I know what I've got to get done that day, and Wednesday's coming. I know what Wednesday holds, and Thursday, and Friday, Saturday. And, oh, wow, I'm going to be back here next Sunday, okay? And life goes on, and, and we have our normal weeks, right? And we all get into a routine. Now, I'm going to explain to you what happens in my routine. Maybe this happens in your routine. I forget. I mean, I benefit. I know I'm forgiven. I know i got a hope. I've got salvation. I've got strength. I've got promises. But I forget. I forget what he went through so that I can have all that. Do you know what I mean? I forget the seriousness of the things that I do wrong because it's what put him on the cross. I forget. Do you know what I'm saying? But I'm just going on with my life. But I forget that the stuff I do wrong put him on the cross. The stuff I enjoy out of my relationship is because of the cross. The question is, is are you beginning to understand what Jesus went through for you? I mean... He spent a night in the garden knowing what was going to come for us. Agonizing in prayer. That, that's, that's reality. Are, are you beginning to understand that? I, you know, that's my prayer as we go through this for the next, next few weeks that we begin to understand. That it was for us. That, that, that just blows my mind. Here, here's the second one. What's your attitude about the battle? Remember, I told you it's a battle. 
Jesus understood the nature of the battle. But what's your attitude? Are you like the disciples? You don't have a clue? You're underestimating it? Hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm 47 years old. I'm going to be 48. I'm a middle. We were talking, we were joking about this in the hallway about being young men and we all laugh. We're middle-aged men. We're not old dudes yet. We're middle-aged, okay? And, but I've been around long enough now to know that if this week doesn't hold a crisis, it might come the next week. And that stuff happens. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you are old enough to realize that now? Okay? It might be an engine problem or a health problem or some unexpected bill or or this or who. We don't even want to go any further. I mean, the, 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 the reality is that stuff happens. Storms come. What are you doing right now? Before it hits. What are you doing right now before it hits? Is God a part of it? Are you talking to Him? Are you developing enough of a relationship with Him so that when it happens, you run to Him and say, Daddy, I need your help? Do you know what I mean? What's your attitude about the battle? I mean, we try to find substitutes for what really works. What really works is spending time with him now so that when it does happen, we know who to go to. And it may not be that he'll take it away, but he'll at least, we know this from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he'll give us the grace and the strength to see us through it. He doesn't promise to take it away, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. What, what's, what's your attitude about the battle? So here's your action point. Here's what you got to do. Where's this all going to? Well, here's what we got to do. I, and, and this is only between you and the Lord. So we're not going to raise our hand. How many are you going to do this? This is between you and God. It's a question of whether or not you believe it is important or not. Make it a priority to spend time with God in prayer. This week. Look at your schedule. Well, you know, my schedule is so busy. I get up early in the morning and, you know, and I, I just, and I'm at work and, and then I come back and I got all this stuff I got to do, George, and I go to bed late and I'm thinking about my stuff during the sleep. I'm not even sleeping right. And, and you want me to find time to pray? Yeah, I want you to find time to pray because you could shut the radio off while you're driving in the car and pray. Don't watch your show at night. Whatever. Duck Dynasty can wait. It'll be on rerun, okay? All right, for my Duck Dynasty folks here. Okay, I know it's great, but you can watch it later. You know they they have devices now that you can record the show, okay? But see, if you, you know, here's the thing. It's like this. You know what? I, I remember... I remember when I uh, first started sparking Lori, okay? Uh, what your priority is what you drive for. You know what I mean? And I remember I would make time for Lori. Would you make time for God? Do you know what I mean? 
That's your action point. Make it a priority. Spend time with Him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.